You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org connected or call one 800 460 6276. Hello, everybody. This is Marty Miller, Regional Master Instructor for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I can't believe it's that time of year again for Optima. Clearly, all of us wish we could be together in person. We've had so many great memories that we've built at the last five Optimas live, but we will be back. We will get in front of each other and we'll be able to do this again live very, very soon, I'm sure. But I know we are going to have a tremendous Optima. I'm sure you've had some amazing sessions already. And I'm excited that you joined me here today for my session, Programming Secrets to Optimize Your Clients' Workouts. Now, when I was putting this together, when the sessions came out, I was really thinking about what can I do for all of these amazing NASM certified personal trainers that can really add value to what you do each and every day. And one of the first things I thought of was let's take a deep dive into the OPT model and talk about how I learned it when it was seven phases, how I utilize it each and every day in my own training, in my mentorship groups, in the coffee talks you guys hear me do, as well as with all the countless different types of clients that I've worked with in my career. So I'm really excited for this session. I hope you guys get a lot out of it and we're gonna get started. So as I said, my name is Marty Miller, Master and Regional Instructor for National Academy Sports Medicine. I know that many of you have taken some of my sessions in the past, so once again, thank you for joining me again today. So a couple of the objectives, there's gonna be more than this, but the real high level objectives that I wanted to cover today was one, discover and discuss the OPT model in its original format, going back to when it was created by Dr. Michael Clark in the mid to late 90s, and then came into NASM as you know it today in 1999. But it was originally seven phases and we will go through that. Then we're gonna just discuss and show the diversity of the model, how it was absolutely designed with elite performance athletes in mind, no question about that. But everybody's an athlete and you're gonna find out how you could utilize the model regardless of the clientele you're working with currently or who you may aspire to work with, the model, an evidence-based approach that has been proven with every type of client you're going to ever train. And then also show some unique or discuss some unique ways to apply the OPT model. Maybe next year when we're live again, we'll maybe go through this again, hands-on. So let's get going into it. So I'm gonna say these are the good old days. So yes, the font looks a little different. I had to go back deep into the archives to find this. This, as you're looking at it now, is the first model as I learned it back when I studied this in 2004, approximately. So this is the CPT, or the course, or how it was presented to me originally. 
Now, what I can say is the same content, same science, that hasn't changed. We will talk about the evolution. So what most of you have probably taken is the OPT model where it's the kind of the center five phases and we've removed the bookends, which is the corrective exercise and the performance enhancement specialist. And the reason is not because it didn't belong with the model, only because there was so much content on both the corrective and the performance enhancement specialist that they needed to be their own courses. In addition to when NASM went through the credentialing process and they looked at what does the personal trainer do each and every day in their job, it was really those center five phases of training, starting from stabilization endurance up to the first level of power. So as you see here, the bookends of the entire model, if you want to really know the model, the OPT model from start to finish and really have that great level of understanding, at some point I highly recommend you studying the CES and the PES if you don't have those two credentials already. So that was the way it was designed by Dr. Clark at the beginning. The corrective exercise was to get people moving well then stabilization endurance to build off that again restoring proper human movement building the endurance and getting people to be able to move well for prolonged periods of time and really working on the type 1 muscle fiber types the endurance and maintaining that proper movement for periods of time then we get into the strength phase which that is being able to move well under load for periods of time so again, there's three different phases of training in the power that has not changed. There's still the hypertrophy, or some of you may know it as muscular development training. But before that, that transition is the strength endurance. That's the first superset we bring into in the OPT model. So that's where we start with the strength exercise and immediately followed up with a stabilization exercise of the very same movement pattern, same muscles that you're trying to work. So a chest to a chest exercise, a back to a back exercise, leg to leg exercise. Then as I said, we can move into the hypertrophy or muscular development. Then you have the max strength. Now those two phases still to this day can be optional. Totally depends on the goals of the individual. Not everyone is going to have a goal of adding muscle mass. Some will, some won't. And it doesn't matter male or female. Everybody has different goals. You can be training elite fighters or people that aspire to do a sport that where it's better for them to have their body weight lower. They may not want hypertrophy. So again, you know, those are the two phases that might be optional. But the power, we're always going to recommend at least getting your clients to the first level of power. Again, it's that superset where you do your strength or heavy power or strength, max strength exercise and then immediately follow that up with a power-based exercise immediately afterwards. Now the clear thing about the model is the beautiful thing is this has been studied at North Carolina Chapel Hill with the US military. A lot of different research articles, hundreds of research articles have been published on parts of the model or the entire model. And the research shows, and I just got this data not too long ago from Dr. Clark, the founder of this, that the OPT model can give results anywhere ranging from 40 to watch this. 400% better than any other training models that are out there. So what you've armed yourself with is 40 to 400% better results when you follow the NASM OBT model. It's a beautiful thing. That's something you should be telling all your clients each and every day that 
you're training them with a model that's proven in science to give them results anywhere between 40 to 400% times better. Now, the clear thing here is you've got to follow the model as it's been laid out. You got to follow the model as far as all the acute variables are concerned. And we're going to show some slides on that here in a little bit. And we'll talk about each phase of training. But again, let's focus. Corrective exercise is its own part. Definitely worth getting into the corrective exercise specialist if you haven't done that already. It'll give you a great understanding of more assessments and even more anatomy, as well as some ways to really use that to get people ready for the stabilization endurance phase. So stabilization endurance, we're restoring proper human movement. We're focused on higher repetitions, lower intensity, higher volume, really working on muscular endurance. Then we get into the strength phases and then the power phase where we're looking at maximum power development, muscle recruitment and force production. So again, what I love about the model is it has not changed dramatically in the 20 plus years that it's been with NASM. Little tweaks in terminology and some little tweaks in how we dice it up, but the research has shown that this is the best way to train. So again, going back old school for some of you with this uh, slide that I found. So now as we move forward, what I always like to talk about is a philosophy. Now this is not NASM's philosophy, this is my philosophy, but I think it is rooted in the science that we see each and every day when we use the model the way it should be used. Is I like to say we can exercise or we can train. So an exercise program, to me, in my definitions, is just when people go into the gym and they just do random movement. Now, I'm always, always going to encourage people to stay active. There's no question about that. Activity is great. But the majority of people, just like us, they want to go in and have, see results. And they want to see results immediately. They want to see results efficiently. And they want to see results without having any setbacks. And far too often in the fitness industry, people can get injured, especially if they're not following the model. If they're not working on their movement deficiencies, if they're not addressing their faulty movement patterns, and they go right into higher intensity training to burn calories and produce all this force on a faulty movement system. We want to avoid that. So yes, some people have great genetics and no matter what exercise program they do, they will look more muscular, they will get leaner, they might get bigger, they might get stronger. But again, let's go back to my original statement a little while ago on the efficiency and effectiveness of the OPT model. 40 to 400% better results. So even if someone's got great genetics, even if someone puts a ton of work into the gym, if they're exercising, not following a systematic progressive program like the OPT model, as great results as they're getting, maybe they could get better results. Maybe they could get them quicker. Maybe they can get them with less effort. Maybe they can get them without getting any of the type of injuries you see in fitness frequently. So these are the type of things I want you to think about when we look at exercise versus training program. Now, a lot of you on the uh, webinar today taking this uh, as part of your Optima sessions, you've trained great athletes, you've been around great athletes, you are a great athlete. If you think about athletes, they have training programs. They go into the facilities that they work out at with their amazing strength and conditioning coaches, certified personal trainers, exercise physiologists, and they're going after specific adaptations. They go through different phases of training. They undulate their program, peaking at a certain time, whether it's the Olympics that had to get postponed this year, whether it's the football season. It's not done by accident. They start with a progressive model, 
and they focus on eliciting a response at a very specific time for the season. And then they do a training during season to try to keep their ele levels elevated throughout the entire season. And then they refigure everything out during the off season. Well, if you look at fitness professionals, we should do that each and every day with our clients. We should have a, a season for them, whether they're competing, whether they're just a fitness athlete, or they're looking to have different goals. And the OPT model is perfect for that, whether it's weight loss, whether it's muscle hypertrophy, whether it's toning up, whatever it is, activities of daily living. You can use that model to get your yearly calendar to put them on specific training programs. That way you know for two weeks you're going to do corrective, for four weeks you're going to do stabilization training, for four weeks you're going to do strength endurance training. Then we're going to maybe skip hypertrophy and max strength and do four more weeks of power. There's a 14-week program right there. Then we can break those down and talk about planes of motion. So the first four weeks of stabilization endurance. First week we're going to start in the sagittal plane. Second week we're going to introduce the frontal plane. Third week we might introduce the transverse plane. So again, that would be a much more specific training program and progression. So you can see here on the slide, I have a couple definitions. So exercise is simply an activity requiring physical effort that carried out to sustain and improve health and fitness. So again, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's just not very specific. So when we look at the definition of training, you're going to see a more targeted approach. So training is teaching or developing in oneself or others any skills and knowledge of fitness that relate to specific useful competencies. Training has specific goals of improving one's capacity, capability, productivity, and performance. So you can see there the definition is very targeted in its approach. Specific outcomes, capacities, capabilities. So if you look at the imagery you see here, the one on the left of the screen, you'll see before a training program, and the one on the right is after a training program. So I just put in power, agility, speed, stamina. You could put in stability, strength, power. But the key thing is before someone comes in, they might be geared towards one of those specific outcomes. They might be an endurance athlete. They might run three times a week, and that's all they do. So their stamina might be phenomenal. It doesn't mean you can't approve it. But you might see that they have a lack of power, they have a lack of strength, lack of strength endurance, all these other capacities that we can develop. So when you look at the OPT model, it is clearly a well-rounded model to get a complete training evolution for your clients. So before a training program, you're going to see them maybe geared towards one specific outcome. After a training program, you should see more well-rounded, I'll say athlete, because again, I train everybody like that. And I'll pause here. Many of you have probably heard me say this before. I treat everyone like an athlete. And here's the reason why. Story goes back. Some of you have heard again this. My friend Jay, when I left professional sports, got back into the private club segment. Pretty quick on, I, I picked up Jay as a client and I progressed him and moved him through the model. And I think he realized he was going through different phases of training, but really didn't fully understand because he didn't ask as many questions. And one day he looks at me and goes, Marty, can you tell me, how do you train us differently than the elite athletes, professional athletes you've trained? And without hesitation, I said, I don't. Jay kept prodding. I think he was assuming I was being nice. And I said, Jay, seriously, I don't train any different. I said, you've got the same muscles, same bones, same central nervous system, moving the same plane of motion. You have the same capacities that my athletes did. 
stamina, endurance, speed, power, agility, I named them. So the only difference is we may have different abilities than they do. Their ability is going to be a lot higher probably, I'm sure. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't train like them. doesn't mean we shouldn't be on a progressive training model that will give us our best results. But the beautiful thing is the, I always say this, the OPT is always my answer. So I've been training and teaching for NASM for over 15 years. And I've had the privilege of being in front of thousands of amazing professionals like yourself. And there's always questions that pop up. Then I also get the amazing responsibility with Ken Miller and Wendy Bats to train all of our new coming instructors. And again, the same type of questions come up. Marty, how do you do this? How do you do that? My answer is always going to be, I go back to the model. I go back to the model. I go back to my assessments. I go back to the model. Because the beauty of the model that was designed back in the mid to late 90s by Dr. Michael Clark, it took all the evidence, stacked it in a progressive manner that makes absolute sense. Get people to move well. Get people to move well under load. And get people to move well at higher speeds. All as it relates to their abilities. So I don't put restrictions on anybody. I just follow the model, then I modify it to what their abilities are, and I get creative with a lot of the other things that I can do within fitness, which we're going to cover. So again, as we move forward, I want you to think about working people in a training system, not just purely exercise. Now, if your client says, Marty, I'm coming into exercise today, not a problem. But I do eventually teach some of the different terminology because that shows the value in what I can provide for them. So they're like, Marty, when are we training this week? Or what are we training? I start to get them to look at their mindset differently because I want them to be a part of this. I want them to take ownership in this. So that's, again, just the way I like to use the model. So now you see here all those phases. We did take out the CES and PS, just like I said, for the CPT. NASM CPT course right now, but again, I highly recommend the CES and PES because that's going to give you the most information to make some phenomenal choices for your clients. So this is our solutions table. These are things that you guys took, you passed the test, or if you're new to NASM, this is the recipe. Once again, I'm going to repeat myself. I always go back to the model. I don't leave it because it's been proven by science. So the story that I like to tell here is if you're new, don't worry about your lack of experience creating programs yet. Go back to your solutions table. Go back to when you're looking at movement assessment dysfunction and you're not sure what you see. Go back and look at what we provide you so you can understand the movement compensations and what to foam roll versus what to stretch versus what to activate and integrate. All those are there for you. So don't try to memorize it yet and then not revert back to it. But when you look here at your acute variables, this is what takes an exercise program to a training program. So let me give you an example. I have identical twin boys. So let's say I gave them, they're 19 now. I know it's hard to believe, right? I actually have an older son who's 21. Three boys, so I think you, you could tell that um, I've had my hands full for the last uh, few years, but it's, it's amazing, and they all do this now, which is, is a blessing. So let's say I took my twin boys, and I wrote out an exercise program, and I gave them, let's just say, a chest exercise, then back exercises, then legs. It's a well-thought-out program, but one of them I don't give any acute variables to, 
The other one, I gave the acute variables specifically to stabilization endurance. Well, if my one twin, we'll say Ryan, gets the program without any of the acute variables, and he just goes in, and let's say he didn't know the things that he knows that I've taught him over the years, and he just went through as he thought, did the right amount of sets and reps based on what he felt right, and the tempo and the rest intervals, found the exact same program. But his identical twin brother, Tyler, did it exactly as these acute variables say, did 12 to 20 reps at a 4-2-2 tempo with zero to 90 seconds rest, depending how I stack the exercises, and did it the right way. They both did the same exercises. Who do you think is going to get the better training result? Well, it's going to be the Tyler who followed the acute variables. So this is your recipe. Do not vary from the recipes or you're not going to get the desired outcome. And the reason I know this person is I've worked with this for over 15 years. But again, if I'm, I know it's hard to believe guys, I'm not the world's greatest chef. But if my wife, who's a phenomenal chef says, you want to help me with dinner? Or if I'm going to jump in there and help with dinner, I promise you the first thing I'm going to ask is what's the recipe. And this is your recipe for fitness excellence right here. Five star chef, right? You're going to learn from Michelin chef right here to follow. So I've done this before. She's like, I want you to cook. And I'm like, what do I do first? How many ounces? What do I do? How? Because I want the recipe. Because if I follow the recipe, even if I don't have her level of knowledge, I'm going to get a good outcome. Doesn't mean she couldn't make it a little bit better from years of experience and some little nuances, but the recipe works, guys. And it's been proven for 20 plus years by research. So that is something that I see a lot of young fitness professionals. They jump in, they get certified, they pass the test, and then they forget their acute variables. And all of a sudden they start to not see the results that maybe they want to see. So to me, that's why I wanted to put this into this slide. I wanted to make sure that you guys really can look at this and go back and make sure that you know those acute variables. So as we move forward, the next thing is I'm always going to ask what's the goal. And now that could be just the current goal. That doesn't mean that this individual's goal is not going to change over time. A lot of times people are new to fitness and they only want to focus on maybe feeling better, looking better, something like that. And if you try to lay out some other goals long-term for them, it's too far for them. They might think it's impossible. But when you're using the best science in the world that's been proven, you'd be stunned how quickly people start to move better, feel better. They're not overtraining. They're not having bad experiences. They're more excited about taking even more part of their fitness journey now because they're already seeing results. So their goal could change. It's not a problem. So we do want to reassess. But if you look here, the image I uh, picked purposely was we're looking for bullseyes. If you do a phenomenal movement assessment and you follow the model and they do their homework and they do what, they're, what you ask them to do and contribute, you will see great results and you'll be hitting the bullseye. So we want to know why. Is it move better? And sometimes that's simply, it's all they want to do. They're like, you know, I sit all day, I have a commute, I'm in a car, my back hurts, my, they just like, I just want to move better. Then that could correlate to feeling better. And that could be a wide ranging to each person. They might want to build muscle and they might want some type of level sport performance, but the model is there for all of that. 
And again, what I like to ask is any of these goals or any other goal you've ever seen or heard is I always follow up is, well, what does that mean to you? So if someone says, I want to move better, like that's a great goal. What does that mean to you? I want to feel better. Great. I love hearing that. What does that mean to you? And so on and so forth. And the reason I do that is I don't want to make the assumption of I know what that means to them. I want it in their words and I write it down because that way when we blow past that goal and they're like, I haven't made any progress. I'm like, well, remember when you said moving better meant that when you got up in the morning that you didn't have low back pain when you brushed your teeth at the sink or when you went to play with your child, you're able to get up and off the ground without hip pain. Sometimes they hit those goals so quickly they tend to forget about them. So again, that's why having the goal, being able to reestablish the goal, but being very clear with the goal is very important as well. And it's all about what matters to them. And of course, be healthy. Awesome. All right. So now a great way I like to talk about the OPT model. And this is, I swear, when I first saw the model, I had that light bulb moment. So as I go back, many of you uh, know my background, but for some of you don't, my first uh, venture into the industry was as an athletic trainer. I worked in professional baseball with, at the time, the Montreal Expos. So if you're like, who's that? It's the Washington Nationals now. That's what brought me down here to South Florida, where I still live. And yeah, I went through as an athletic trainer, and I knew a lot of different things. I knew about static stretching. I knew about active and dynamic stretching. I knew about massage and inhibition techniques. I didn't know about foam rolling at the time. I can promise you that. But I knew about manual therapies for inhibiting overactive tissue. I knew about balance training. I can't tell you that I really had learned too much about core stabilization as we know it now. I knew a lot about strength and power development, plyometrics, all that. But you know what I didn't know? I didn't know what to do with all that information. As crazy as it was, licensed athletic trainer, passed a national exam, had my degree in sports medicine, was hired to work with professional baseball players. I truly did not know when and where to use all of that information. It was more my theory. My theory wasn't based on evidence. My theory was based on years of studying bits and pieces of information. So when I first saw the model, I had that light bulb moment. I'm like, aha, I get it. I've learned a lot of tools. I never had a toolbox. So the way I look at NASM, and I've heard this before from people. Some people say, well, you know why I don't like training with NASM? It's very rigid. It doesn't give me a lot of options. And I'm like, oof, that's the complete opposite. The model is so diverse. The, what you see when we put you through the courses and the textbooks and the videos, we're not trying to have you think about what exercises we can teach you. We're trying to teach you assessments, how to understand the assessments, how to validate what your findings are, create programs based on research that shows how to improve people's human movement. And then we want to teach you a systematic approach in training and progressions, as I've already talked about. What you see a lot of people do is they learn about a lot of tools. And then they focus on that certification of the tool as their training methodology. We're doing it a little bit different here. We will absolutely teach you about exercises. That's not a problem whatsoever. But we don't want to lose sight of the model or the toolbox and spend too much time necessarily just teaching the tools. Because the exercises, yes, it's easy to say, okay, squat, deadlift, hinge, and all some of these cool, fun things. But then people lose 
the phases of training. They lose how to make those decisions themselves on where all this goes. So when I talk about tools, absolutely take courses on the tools, whether it's suspension training, whether it's foam rolling, kettlebells, Indian clubs, battling ropes, sandbags. I love throwing in mixed martial arts, Pilates, yoga, Tai Chi, powerlifting, bodybuilding, dumbbells, name it. Weighted vest, I'll say great. Learn from them, run it through the kinetic chain checkpoints that we teach you, and then just come back and say, okay, here's where I put it in the model. And we're gonna give some examples of that. And to me, that again, that was that light bulb moment where I'm like, finally, I don't need to worry about how I design these programs over a period of time. Now I can start to work on what tools I wanna use. What tools do I have access to? What tools are good for different phases of training, different client types? What new tools can I add? And it just made my life so much easier. So again, that was the aha moment I had. And I hope is one of the key takeaways from this session that you look at again, how to separate the tools from the toolbox. Now the good news is the toolbox has been tried you know, and tested for 20 plus years. And guess what? Stands the test of time. Research is showing 40 to 400% better results. There'll be a lot of new tools that come into the industry. No doubt about it. I'm sure that we'll see some new tools before the end of this year. There's always new fitness tools. That's the great news. Go learn them. Go evaluate them. See if you think that they're the right tool for you or your clients or maybe the right tool at all. Run it back through the five kinetic chain checkpoints through the phases of training and just drop it in and then take it out when you need that tool. So that was one of, again, my aha moments that I was like, okay, now I can start getting better at this because I have a system. I, I felt frustrated that I wasn't seeing the results for my clients, for myself, because I knew I was missing something. And what I was missing was that evidence-based approach or system. So now we're gonna move through with that as the foundation on the rest of our talking points today. So when we look at, again, tools, there's a bunch. We've got kettlebells, we've got suspension training, we've got regular selectorized strength equipment, we've got battling ropes, we've got dumbbells, you name it, Indian clubs, all kinds of stuff. Now some of these will fit directly just into one part, one phase of the model. Some will go all the way across. And this is where I love being in the interactive sessions and really getting into and seeing you know, what people's thoughts are. But kettlebells are a perfect example of when they were introduced back, because they were around 100 plus years ago, they were looked at as a power tool, by and large, a lot of swings. And kettlebell swings are phenomenal. I use them all the time. I always talk about as the finished position of a kettlebell swing is nothing more than a standing dynamic plank, right? Then you saw a lot of goblet squats. So then it's like, okay, they went from power down to strength. Now I see people doing upside down presses or farmer or carries, you know, in the 90-90 position. Now you're using it for stabilization. What a phenomenal tool to learn because you can use it in all three phases of training. And there's a lot of neuromuscular demand, a lot of grip strength involved. It's fun for the client to use. So I highly recommend kettlebells. Suspension training is awesome. Another tool that can go through all three phases of training. 
obviously you can do pushes and pulls and all types of holds and you know slow down tempos because you're offsetting your body weight with the suspension training or I can just move back or move in slightly add a little more body weight it becomes a strength tool and then I can do speed or power I can do jumps and help with my landings and use it as a modified power tool again excellent then our selectorize gonna fit into the strength and that's where it belongs don't try to make a leg extension a power exercise. You might be able to put it into the stabilization or at least use it as an endurance standpoint, right? I do like closed chain exercises for that. But there could be a point in time where you do uh, you know, slower controlled tempos on selectorized equipment as well. So you might see great for strength and maybe there's a crossover to stabilization. And again, Indian clubs and all these other tools. So that's again just the way I was taught by some great people, mentors of mine, and that's kind of how I want you to think about it. And again, I, I did show the battling ropes in there as well. I love those for power and endurance. So some other really cool tools that are out there, you'll see, again, I'm a little biased since I'm the director of education and training for Techno Gym in North America. I love our stuff because again, it's high level scientific stuff. So you see our skill run there. I can now take a treadmill and do a sled push. What a great way, whether it's on our uh, skill run or whether you're doing a sled, what a great way to get core activation. Boom, hit some stabilization training right there. But now I'm doing some power for lower body, but I'm not jumping and having to load people's spine in their lower body. So it's, again, a great, safe way to do power. Or you can do the parachute. Dumbbells, obviously, guys, they've been around all of our career, they're phenomenal. But don't be afraid to mix up with a kettlebell and get a little bit of more instability in there. Med balls, phenomenal for power. Yes, you can use them as a, something you carry for a stabilization or strength exercise, but phenomenal for power. That speed development, releasing an object. Body weight, I mean, who here during COVID did not get forced, at least for a while, to do body weight programs? But you can hit the whole model in body weight. I can go slow and control and modify the amount of load I use and do stabilization. I can increase the amount of load and do strength or strength endurance. It's possible to do hypertrophy depending on you know, your body weight and you know, what the exercises are. Definitely can do power, right? I can do jumps and speed squats and speed push-ups. So again, no matter where you're at, body weight at least can get you through the majority of the model. Even if you're the fittest person in the world, we've all seen phenomenal power-based, strength-based, and stabilization-based exercise programs just on body weight. Sandbags are a very unique tool that I love. And again, during COVID, what's wrong with grabbing a, ba a backpack, throwing books in there, bags of flour, whatever it is, to create some type of bag training effect as well. So. A lot of fun you guys can have with it, but again, there's so many tools that you can put into your different phases of training for sure. So when we look at corrective exercise, I brought this up at the very beginning, we wanna bring it back now. It can be a targeted warm-up. Do not, please, do not think that corrective exercise is only for people that are injured or just coming off injury or for people that are totally deconditioned. I use corrective exercise training every single day, almost seven days a week, and I'll tell you why. I still, to this day, don't move as 100% efficiently as I'd like. I move well, but I can move better. I sit like I am now. I used to travel a ton before COVID. That will start happening again. 
And now we're at our desks. I did buy a stand-up desk purposely to try to help my posture. But then think about sleeping. Has anybody ever seen anyone sleep in ideal posture for six, seven, eight hours? It doesn't happen. So we're all going to have some things that we can work on. Now, hopefully we identify them before they become an issue. So it can be nothing more than a targeted warm-up. It does not have to be a phase of training that's designed to rehabilitate. Remember, depending on your scope of practice, you're not in the rehabilitation world. But it's a phenomenal thing to prevent and then bridge the gap after injury. But I do it every morning between around 5.30 and 6 o'clock when, uh, when I'm home. I hit my foam roller. I do my lengthening techniques. I do some activation and maybe one integration. And then maybe within a half hour, 45 minutes, I get to the gym, and I might do a, a, another small version of that as well. But I am doing correctives almost seven days a week because, again, in my conditioning level, all of yours, it's not going to be overtraining. But I don't do the same corrective exercise program every day. But view that for the beauty that it provides, that it's a specific targeted warm-up that's going to get great results for you and your clients. So as you know, there's the four phases. And evidence shows that it's best to follow it in those four phases, in the four steps of the inhibit. So you decrease the activity to the overactive tissue. Then we lengthen only the chronically shortened tissue. Then we activate the underactive tissue. And then we bring in an integration exercise to get the whole body to work together in a nice symmetrical way. So that way, eventually, maybe we don't need as much corrective. But once again, corrective targeted warm-up. It can be individual, it can be a small group, or it can be a large group as such as a team too. So do not think that you have to, you know, not utilize it in those manners. So then when we get to stabilization endurance training, that first phase of our CBT course, as I mentioned, we're trying to restore proper human movement. It's how well do you move? That's really the primary goal of this phase of training. No more, no less. Yes, you might move some load, but that's not the primary objective. We're looking at type one, excuse me, muscle fiber types, and we're building the foundation for all other adaptations. You're building the platform for proper human movement, so then you can get into the other phases of training. Clearly, when we build a house, the first thing we build is the foundation. We need to do the same thing within the human movement system. We need to build a foundation of proper human movement. You can, again, only produce as much force as you can stabilize. I always joke around with our males that uh, when they bench, that you, know, you see somebody and their arm is shaking and their weight drops. They didn't want to drop that weight. Central nervous system said, hey, I'm going to give you a few seconds here to try to figure this out. And if I can't stabilize this and there's too much weird stuff going on, I'm just going to shut the muscles off and the weight's going to go. Self-protective mechanism. So if you want to get bigger, stronger, faster, become more stable. Get that proper movement system going and you're going to get, again, 40 to 400% better results. So I always like to say you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. We want a stable platform so that way our arms and legs can produce a lot of force. Now, strength endurance. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to start to move well with load. Key thing is we're not going to allow compensations because we start adding load. And the reason why we start at the other phase is imagine if I'm moving poorly and I add weight or speed to it, what am I going to do? I'm just going to reinforce that bad movement and make them stronger and more powerful in it. I'm not going to correct anything. 
So you know, I always like to say too, is if I had a car and it's out of alignment, I'm not gonna try to go on the highway as fast as I can. I'm gonna drive it slow, go get it rebalanced, so then I can go perform. Body's the exact same way. So it's perfect for all goals. It's phenomenal for weight loss with the superset. So as you guys know, after the warm up and we get into core balance reactive, when we get into resistance, you're gonna do a superset. So just to review again, let's say I'm gonna do my chest exercise. It's a strength exercise, eight to 12 reps, two zero to tempo. Let's say I'm doing dumbbell chest press. I immediately go into an exercise, the same movement pattern, and do it for stabilization at a three, two, one count. So for 10 reps, if I split the middle between eight and 12, that's 100 seconds worth of work for one set. I'm gonna do three sets of that per body part. You wanna lose weight, that will do it. Then you add in the cardio. So again, there's different ways you can load that. You can do it vertically or horizontally. So you can go chest, back, shoulders, legs, come back. Or you can go horizontal where it's chest, 45, you know, 60 seconds rest, back, 60 seconds rest, and go that way. But you know, so before you, you know, you do all three of your sets. Each way has value, each way is challenging. You'll just figure out I'm gonna go chest, 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 and then back, back, back. Or do I go chest, back, shoulders, legs, and then repeat that way. So great metabolically, and again, you can always add your cardio. But also you can build muscle on that as well because of the volume. You're just gonna have to take in the calories into account. So again, I'm not getting into nutrition into this session. I know there'll be some great nutrition sessions here at Optima, but that's where you can then use it either way based on calorie intake, either calorie deficit or calorie you know, gain, and you will have uh, the same, you can get either result from that phase of training. Great for sports performance, absolutely, because most people, they're gonna get fatigued as they go and lose their strength and their ability to produce strength for a prolonged period of time. We know that's where injuries occur. And it is an absolute fun, fun activity for small groups because it is so challenging. So now we'll go into the hypertrophy and muscular development as I've already talked about. These are optional and don't be surprised if one of your clients doesn't change their thought process after they start training. As I said, they start to see some great results and now they're like, you know what? Maybe I do want to put on a little muscle mass because I've learned and I, I feel better about myself. And it's not, if I gain two pounds of muscle, I'm not worried about the scale. Again, this could totally change as somebody gets going into their fitness. So there are health benefits for everyone. So you'll see here, after age 30, you begin to lose as much as three to 5% per decade. Not good, right? When we lose muscle mass, we lose a lot of different things. We lose strength, we lose potentially posture, we lose, um, sorry, I just clicked the slide by accident. You know, we lose our, you know, our metabolism decreases. So you see some other great research here that we really want to talk about with our clients. So maybe they look at this phase of training a little more importantly, because a lot of too uh, frequently people will bypass, go, oh, I don't want to get bigger. You're not going to get dramatically bigger, but look at these health benefits here. Lean muscle mass, greater weakness and less mobility, obviously, um, decrease of risk and fall and fractures. So you'll see some great research here that you can utilize and key takeaway points just to tell people why. Let's pause. You've made some great results. Again, if you don't want to add too much weight, we can watch the nutrition and add some cardio. And you, guess what? Any of you that can easily put on muscle, I'm jealous. Take it, run with it, because you can always take it back off. Much harder to actually put muscle on. 
So again, I'm always going to encourage people to take a look at the, at least the hypertrophy, maybe the muscular, um, obviously as we look at muscular development and then move into our strength phase. So as we slide forward now here into the next slide, into the maximum strength training. Again, you got to look at risk versus reward. If someone had a lot of joint issues and this is not for them, no problem whatsoever. You're going to get them stronger to a certain level in the hypertrophy phase, muscular development phase. So again, that is absolutely that this does not always need to be done. But even if they do it at the five to six rep range, and even if it's only 85 to 90%, I know what the book says, but give somebody a chance. Maybe they'll enjoy a little bit of it. Not a problem whatsoever. But you've got them moving better at that point in time, so it's a lot less riskier than it would have been coming into the gym day one. So they have to earn the right to get there, no question. You always have to earn the right to get to the next phase of training. And you can do some modified versions. So be creative with it, play around with it, introduce it to them, but just be safe. And then as we move forward now into our power, or what used to be, because I'm bringing up the old stuff, was the elastic equivalent training. So is power training important for everyone? Absolutely. Now, again, if you ever meet my mom, please don't tell her that I bring her up at every single webinar and seminar and session I do. And the reason is my mom's in her mid seventies. She's never been an exercise person. I would love for her to do it, but I promise you I'd move her towards power at some point, 12, 16, 18 weeks later. Absolutely. So the way we have this set up is again, a superset. So you do, once you get your warm up in and follow the model, you're going to do a heavier strength exercise, five, six reps, can be lower than that, it can be one to five, and then immediately go to a power exercise in the same muscle group. And the reason we do that is the scientific phenomenon, which is in the old name, the EET, elastic equivalent training, now we just call it power, is what we call post-activation potentiation. Now think of the all or none principle. So if I go to pick up my phone here, which is acting as my clicker, Whatever muscle fibers I use to pick up my phone, they fire completely. I don't fire all my muscle fibers in that pattern. The phone would go flying out the window here. So what we do is we encourage more of the muscle fiber units to be recruited by picking up a near maximum weight. Then when they're excited, we go to our power exercise and teach them to move explosively. So that way we get maximum power development. So that's exactly why the superset is set up that way. So once again, got to follow the science. So it increases the excitability of the central nervous system, more move more explosively. It's phenomenal for seniors. Again, modify it to the level you feel you need. But imagine someone goes and missteps, you know how we've all done that where you think you're on the last step and then there's another one or and you have to catch your balance quickly, your step off a curb. You have to have the ability to reduce force quickly or sometimes you got to go quickly to get across the road. We don't want someone to be in those situations and have never trained for it. Love this phase of training. Fun, phenomenal for cardio, that higher intensity, but it's a smart higher intensity training. Very specific and scientifically thought out. Very fun for group training, performance training, all of the above. Then the max power. So again, if we talk about our PES training now, we bring in that final piece that we talked about of the, the way I learned the model. It was the CES into stabilization endurance, into strength endurance, into hypertrophy, into um, max strength, and then the power, and now we have our max power training. This, yes, you need to be you know dialed in, you need to be progressed very well, you need to know 
how to teach it, and again, that's what the PES is for. So again, we're looking at risk for reward. Not everyone needs to be in this training. There's not a problem at all. A lot of benefits, very fun. It's very, uh, helps create great athletic development. Good for small group. I'm a little bit more cautious on large group if I'm using barbells and all those complicated lifts. Again, depends on the experience of the users and the people that you have in your classes, but just the food for thought. There's modifications. I can use kettlebells instead of, and dumbbells instead of barbells. So if I'm going above my head, it's what I call an easier exit strategy, right? So if I have to drop something, it's easier to not hit myself or clear it uh, than necessarily maybe a barbell. Or maybe I can do one arm instead of having both arms above my head, less stress on the shoulders, the rotator cuff, the neck. So again, not saying not to do it, just giving you some ideas on how you can modify things so maybe you feel more comfortable going through. Love it, um, as I said, with the, the modifications. Just have a lot of progressions for your plyometrics, progressions and regressions, because you never know how your client athlete is going to feel that day. So just because you designed these power phases or even the heavier strength or max strength, be ready to down-regulate if need be. And if someone's gone through the model, sometimes I'm like, yeah, we're doing stabilization endurance today, and their recovery's better. Sometimes I'll be like, all right, you know what? Let's go to strength endurance today. First time through, teach them in a linear progression, of course. But you're always going to be ready to modify as needed. Body weight's great. You've got the weight vest, et cetera. So fun, fun stuff to do in our max power training. So I love to look at the undulating periodization programs. So again, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, kind of what we call ladder and stack workouts. So what I did today, I put this down here, I did corrective exercise first and I did stabilization and then I did for first set that I did endurance, a strength endurance for my second set and then I did a power endurance for my third set. And then sometimes I'll go the other way where Monday will be uh, stabilization, Wednesday can be strength endurance, Friday can be power. So there's a lot of different ways. Again, we'll talk about how you can play around with the model, but remember the first time through somebody needs to go through each phase for four to six weeks. Once they've made the adaptations, then you can start having more fun with the periodization. So when you're doing linear or undulating periodization, that's what we mean by that. So you'll see here the terms, whether we're looking at a month program, etc how you can do week by week. So a lot of fun ways. I love, love, love this part of training, looking at how we want to put this together in a month, a year, a week, etc. So as we wrap up, I can't believe we're heading uh, down. It's already that time. So I got a few minutes here to kind of wrap things up. So in conclusion, whether you've taken just the CES, whether you've taken just the PES, whether you've taken the CPT or bits and pieces, all of that together is truly the model because there's going to be huge value in understanding the corrective exercise and those advanced assessments and being able to get someone through that. It's phenomenal for corrective exercise right before I do my cardio. It's great before I do maybe go out and play sports with my kids. It's phenomenal for off day for people that just want to keep active and moving. And then performance enhancement. More and more people are aspiring to train like athletes right now. So again, if you fully want the understanding of the model, look at the OPT as your starting point, no question. Take your certified personal trainer's course. That is a phenomenal place to start. 
But understand, those advanced credentials are bookends to the complete model. Then have fun with the programming. As I, you know, I spent a couple seconds right at the end, when you look at your programming, once someone's gone through the model, do I want to do one week in a month of stabilization endurance? Do I want to do the next week strength endurance, the next week power? Or do I go Monday, Wednesday, Friday? And then what I like to do is as I go through the month, so let's just use an example where I'm going to do, let's call it uh, week by week. So week one is stabilization endurance. First workout, I'm going to work on the sagittal plane. Second workout Wednesday, I'm going to might work on the frontal plane. Friday, I might work on the transverse plane. Then I go back in the next week, I'm doing strength endurance. I go back on Monday to sagittal. Wednesday, strength endurance frontal plane. Friday, strength, endurance, power. And then I repeat the same thing for the third week, sagittal, frontal, transverse. Then the fourth week might be hybrid. First set, stabilization, endurance. Second set, strength, endurance. Third set, power. You can do that. Okay? Just again, you're earning. The people are earning the opportunity to do that. So that might be sagittal playing. On Monday, maybe I do that same stagger and work towards frontal. And then third and final workout of that week, the 12th workout, maybe I do transverse. So these are just some ideas on how diverse the model is. Then we go back to what I talked about at the very beginning, the tools. Maybe Monday is strength endurance with kettlebells. Maybe Wednesday is strength endurance with dumbbells and suspension training. Maybe Friday is strength endurance with body weight, weight vest, et cetera. Now, every time someone comes in, they're like, I have no idea what we're going to do. They think you're kind of just, you know, waving a wand around every day, but you're like, man, this is so systematic. It just looks like every day is new, but I'm still working on a phase of training. I'm still working on a plane of motion. I'm just changing the undulating periodization portion, and I'm changing planes of motion and the tools I bring in. They think every day you're coming up with this new amazing creative stuff, and it's like, I'm glad you think that. I'm actually keeping it easy for myself but it's going to be an amazing and fun experience for the customers, your clients. And at the end of the day, if they get those results that they want, that is what's most important. I promise you that. So guys, wrapping things up, I know you guys have my email address, but please, I wish I could be with you right now. And then after this, just break right out into some of these workouts. We'll do that. If you guys like this session and really got a lot from it, feel free to email me, please. It's Marty dot miller at nasm.org give me your feedback and then you can hit me up on instagram too at dr.martymiller72 as you'll see right there and i so love doing these sessions guys it's the favorite time of the year optima absolutely love it and i'd like to hear what you guys want next tell me what you know do you want me to build off this i'll already be thinking of, i always think about the next optima as i've uh, already wrapped up one so Guys, I'm so glad you joined. I'm so glad you made the time and the investment to join Optima 2020. Can't wait to see you guys at Optima 2021 and definitely before that. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope that you guys are going to finish the year strong. Here's to an awesome career, an awesome industry, awesome professionals. Thank you for joining. Thank you for your time. And be well.